You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. My name is Emma Whiten, and I'm honored today to be joined by Stephanie Kunar. Stephanie is the marketing professor at Langara College, co-founder of Perspectives Consulting, and author of Backpack to Briefcase, a new marketing book designed for students on their marketing career. Prior to her current role, Stephanie has worked for companies such as TELUS, The Lang Marketing Group, and Diageo. Stephanie is also a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach and helps people use their Clifton Strengths Assessment to help them align with their career goals. One fun fact about Stephanie is that she was actually my own marketing professor back when I attended Langara College. Stephanie, welcome to Marketing News Canada. I'm so happy to have you here today and to hear all about your career. Let's just jump into it. So tell me a bit about yourself and how you got into marketing and your origin story. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Emma. It's such a pleasure to be doing this with you. Uh, Yeah, so my uh, career started really, you know, back in university. I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, My dad wanted me to be a doctor. So I thought, okay, I'll take those courses. And I was in sciences, natural sciences at McMaster University when I realized, hmm, I don't think I want to be a doctor. (laughs) I don't want to take all of these physics and calculus courses. So I pivoted into psychology. And it was really in psychology where I was reading one of the textbooks in the social psychology course. So it was one chapter in one course in third year that talked about consumer behavior. And I was like, hmm, what is this? Consumer behavior. So that led me to kind of like think about marketing. I then, after my psychology degree, did an MBA, and I did focus in marketing, and I had three co-op work terms, working for General Electric, CIBC, and also a PR firm. And it was there that I really started to, you know, work in different marketing roles. My first marketing role was with Diageo, a wine and spirits company, and I was a brand manager. And they transferred me from Toronto, where I was in a national role, to Vancouver, where I was in a regional role as a market manager for Western Canada. And in that role, I was really looking for opportunities in the market, you know, the eyes and ears of the marketing kind of department, and did a lot of sponsorships, the film festival and beach volleyball events, all sorts of fun things that led me to want to move into event marketing with Lang & Associates. So I joined that company did event marketing or experiential marketing for quite a while. And then one of our clients was TELUS. And that led me to hop over to the client side again to work for TELUS. After working for TELUS for a while, I started looking into teaching part-time. And I also left TELUS to join a market research company where I was vice president doing market research. And after that, came more full-time in marketing, teaching. So did that. And at the same time, and most, most re- recently, founded a, a company called Perspectives Consulting. So that brings you up to date, I think. That's amazing. And then, so I understand you've recently published a new book as well. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so my book is called Backpack to Briefcase, A Student's Guide to a Meaningful Career Journey. And it's come out after teaching, I don't know, over 4,000 students and watching them launch themselves into a career. And at the end of the day, there really is a formula that works. And I wanted to share those tips and tricks in the book. 
Yeah, I think that's very valuable. I know myself when I was a student, having something like that to guide me would have been really useful because especially with marketing, there's so many different opportunities, even yourself, the different roles you've worked in from research to experiential and all these different things. It's just really quite a lot of opportunities there. Mm -hmm. So now that you've had all this experience in marketing and you've worked in it so much, what trends have you seen emerge recently in brands that you follow and pay attention to that really stand out as a different pathway in the current marketing environment? Well, there's a couple of trends that I've seen, and this is almost observing it in my students in my class too, with students really morphing or changing into wanting to work for organizations that align with their values. That's been very key, um, looking for companies and organizations that are transparent and also working towards different initiatives. Maybe they are the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals or being um, companies that are you know, concerned about their manufacturing processes. So I'm seeing that as a trend in terms of companies being more vocal and more active and students and grads and individuals wanting to work for those types of companies. Are you seeing that in co-ops as well or just primarily when people are leaving school and going into the workforce? Oh, no, I think it's co-ops. I even think it's the projects that they're working on. I just finished um, with my students. They did about 10 projects and many of the projects had a reusable or recyclable or eco-friendly component to them. So it's definitely top of mind. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. And it's definitely something I feel like we're seeing a lot in consumer buying behavior as well with the emergence of brands like Poshmark and a lot of brands just really promoting more sustainability lines, like you said. Um, it's really been quite interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. And those are the companies that are going to attract the best talent. You know, companies like Patagonia or our students even talk about uh, Nada Grocery, where you bring your own containers, um, soap dispensary, those types of companies or organizations. and. Yeah, I 100% agree that consumers are voting with their dollars, right? And they're looking and they're they're very aware of packaging materials, wasted packaging, and, you know, all of the processes and manufacturing processes too. I imagine too, as a teacher, it's so interesting seeing your students leave and embark on that journey. And then now you'll get to see the outcome of all these people with that type of thinking, sort of going into the career force and, yeah, really implementing that in the marketing industry. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, want to empower them and tell them, you know, you guys are the leaders of tomorrow and think about your product you're wanting to work on in your project and imagine you could put into place some amazing policies, right? Whether it's living wage or whether it's um, parental leave or anything that you can think about. So it's an exciting time and I'm, I'm happy to see this change in perspective. Now, we've talked a bit about your career and experience, and within that, we mentioned that you're working with Perspectives Consulting and doing these certified strengths coaching. Do you want to tell us a bit about that and how um, that current role plays in your, to your life at the moment? Yeah, I'd love to. So the funny thing is with strengths, when I was introduced to it by my business partner, before we were business partners at all, Loanne McCurdy, she, she basically introduced it to me and I was like, oh my God, knowing your top strengths everybody needs this. And I was immediately smitten. And I think it aligns with the fact that it's almost like knowing your strengths is knowing your unique selling proposition. And so I think it just aligns with how I see marketing. And if you can kind of understand what you bring to the market 
And then you could find an opportunity that needs exactly what you bring. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? So it's almost like the marketing of you is what we're doing with knowing your strengths. I work primarily in public relations and hearing that just reminds me of when you're pitching a client, sort of just bringing those strengths to the forefront and really selling those specific points. Yes, that's super interesting. When it comes to the strengths, what type of advice do you have for both employees and employers? Well, what we do at Perspectives is we work with individuals, but we also work with teams and managers and leaders. And if you can imagine working for a leader or a manager that really knows their strengths and knows what they're good at, but is also curious and wants to know what you're good at, so that you can kind of have this great conversation about how you can be deployed almost, like what projects are really going to work best for you and allow you to really contribute in a way that brings you energy and is natural for you. So I think the key is the self-awareness for yourself, you know, as an employee, but also as an employer or a manager or leader, knowing yourself, but this curiosity about understanding what your team is all about too. And then with these strengths, so we often see managers and stuff can really implement it in a team and really create those cohesive teams. So it's very interesting to see that. I myself actually took the strengths assessment prior to this episode, just so we could talk about it and just sort of look at some different strengths and how they apply to my current role which was quite a cool experience. Like you said, it's really great to see it and just sort of clearly align yourself with these properties. Yeah, a lot of people, when they take the assessment, they're like, oh my God, that's spookily accurate. <laughs> you know, like they, they're like, this sounds just like me. And I also really like that it's positive. It's positive psychology that the framework about the Gallup Clifton Strengths is that you lean into what you're good at. And I love that. I have positivity in my top five. So it uh, aligns with how I, how I see the world. But the, um, the opportunity to also have a vocabulary, because some of these words that name strengths, a lot of people say, I didn't even know that was a strength. So there's one strength, responsibility. How that shows up is if you have responsibility, if you've taken on something, you will make sure that gets done. It might show up as well on a team where you're the one that's keeping the team on track, right? Maybe um, you've got all the deadlines and you're making sure everybody's being, you know, accountable to the project. And so when somebody said, oh, yeah, that's totally me, that, that's responsibility. And it's like, yeah, that's a strength. And it's great for people to know that you have that or you bring that to a team. So every person who does it, it's very enlightening. And I, and I love hearing their, their suite of strengths. Yeah, well, I myself had quite a fun time doing it. And I was surprised at some of my results, but also at the same time reading it, I was like, this is me as a person. So it definitely made sense. And like you were saying, I actually, one of my top strengths, which was empathy, I'd often thought of as a weakness in the career force, just because I, in my mind, I had worded it more as like sensitive and just more around that type of vocabulary. But reading the strengths assessment version, I actually found it quite empowering. And I saw ways that actually tracks into my current career and what I do at work. So that was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. You have some, a great suite of strengths. Your other one that we discussed was your adaptability strength. Can you share how, I think I asked you, how do you see that showing up in, in your role? Yeah. So adaptability was quite interesting. So I work at a marketing agency and a lot of my role involves different clients, tight deadlines, working with a lot of different people at different vendors. And yeah, being able to just pivot on the spot and really react to situations as they come up, especially with all these different types of people in the agency setting itself with different types of um, roles, because we have all different types of marketing professionals. 
and then also working with vendors and clients and all these different personalities. So I think really being able to adapt and just like pivot and yeah, make the best of different situations has been quite a skill. But yeah, it's not one I necessarily would have thought of right away as a skill to have working at an agency right off the top of my head, but then seeing it at all aligned, it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It's a good one to have. People that have adaptability, they say work well in things like emergency rooms or uh, newsrooms where things are always changing or in event marketing, you know, so I can definitely see when there's things changing and you've got to just on the flow, you know, on the, on the, on the fly kind of change something, you know, and adapt to clients' demands or a vendor's demands. So it's good. And the thing is, when you have one of these strengths, it makes you well-suited for the role. And for somebody who had that maybe lower down in their strength profile, all of those changes and disruptions to maybe well-laid plans might cause them some frustration or, or, you know, trigger them more than somebody that has adaptability. Not that you couldn't do it if you had adaptability lower, but it might be more draining for you. Yeah. And that actually brings up my next question I was going to ask you because I was thinking about this a bit. So if somebody had adaptability as one of their lower level strengths, do you think it should necessarily inform them when they're applying for a role, say in event marketing or a a media newsroom or something like that? Should they be taking these strengths into account when applying? Well, the way that Gallup kind of addresses this in, in all of our training is that, you know, we can all do all the different jobs by leaning into the different strengths. So your adaptability strength suits you well for changing priorities, but you might have other strengths that kind of allow you to adapt, you know, by it might be even the empathy or understanding the other position, or it might be your learner and saying, okay, this has changed. Maybe next time I can anticipate this better. Or you might be able to use your futuristic and say, okay, when I work with this vendor, this supplier, we often get many changes. So I'm going to build in extra time. So on the one hand, you know, we don't really want to rule out any position um, based on different strengths, but I think it's informative to know your own nature and the environment that you will thrive in. And for example, we have Achiever. Achiever likes a fast-paced environment and we're working with a company right now and 25 out of the 30 have Achiever and they all are working very fast. They're in a fast-paced industry. And when I was coaching the individuals, they all said, you know, when it's slow, I can get into trouble (laughs) or I don't like it. It's not good for me. I like the pace. So they're all in in roles that suits their personality. And I think they've been, some of them have been there for, you know, 10, 15 years. And I think it's because it's, you know, the role suits their strengths, I guess. Yeah. And I imagine as a hiring manager, having that information when you're interviewing people and going through the hiring process is really valuable because, for example, of that group, if they're all these high achievers and you have someone who that's ranking lower, it might inform you in making that choice. But then again, it's also the risk of, like you said, when someone doesn't have that strength, they might have other strengths that complement it. So it's interesting. A lot of things to think about in that process. Mm-hmm. I think the best use of it is for the individual to know their own strengths in an interview. And what they bring in to be able to articulate. I had an interview and I I like promoting things. I have communication and I have woo. And I was in an interview um, at a role at Langara College. And I asked, you know, is this going to be an opportunity to promote some new programs? Because I'm a cheerleader and I like to do that. And they said, no. 
And I was like, oh, and, and it was going to be helping instructors write learning objectives for their course outlines. And I said, oh, and you know what? I didn't get the opportunity. I didn't get the offer, but I thought, you know what? I would not have been happy in that. It would, didn't have the, the things that give me the juice, right? Or the energy. So I think it, it helps you know your strengths and know what you love and what you're good at as a gut check. Like, is this role going to be a good fit for me? And sometimes without this self-discovery, a lot of roles look interesting. We've had coaching clients tell us that before they've done this type of work, they felt, well, that looks good. That looks good. But now that they really understand themselves, they can kind of say, well, is that going to fit for me? Am I actually going to thrive in that environment? And so I think that's gold. Yeah. And it is very interesting information. I know with mine um, working in marketing, you showed me earlier an example of the types of personalities that are usually found within the marketing spectrum. And surprisingly, none of mine were really in there. But then I've been thinking about it as lots of my different traits sort of align with the more relationship building area. And out of marketing, I tend to work in PR, which is all about relationships. So it's kind of interesting how I unintentionally found my way into that area of marketing, not knowing those strengths necessarily when I went into it. So mm-hmm. that's good. And a couple of times I've heard you mention the one term woo. So I'd like to hear a bit about woo just because I haven't heard that before as a strength necessarily. Yes. So um, all of the strengths are uh, kind of can go into four domains. So there's like an executing domain. There's a strategic thinking domain. There's relationship building, which you have a lot in there. And there's influencing. And the influencing domain is all about kind of advocating for resources, cheerleading, and kind of like influencing and persuading. And so within there is woo. And woo is around winning others over, you know, come on over. This is a great idea. What do you think of this? So I didn't realize I had woo. You know, another trait of woo is there's no strangers out there, just people that aren't friends yet. (laughs) That's how it's put. And another trait is people with woo will talk to everybody in the elevator, in the shopping line. And it's just, uh, it's just, I can't help it. So it's something that I've always had. And yeah, that's what woo is. That's I'm woo number two. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I love that. I can definitely think of a few people in the office that I work at that would definitely align well with you in the woo category. Okay. So now that we've talked a lot about our strengths, how do you think we can make the best of our strengths in the industry? I know you specialize in talking about ikigai as a term, and I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah. So in the book, um, it's in three phases. And the first phase is discover and then build and then launch. And this Content can be used if you're a student, um, but also as a grad or even mid-career. We've had people use this philosophy to pivot and mid-career or in their career after, you know, they retire even. So the concept called the ikigai is is a Japanese word, and um, I didn't invent it, but I love the model. It's got four circles, if you can imagine, and where they intersect in the middle is your ikigai, and the circles are what you love what you're good at, what the world needs, and what you can get paid for. And if you can find something that meets all of those criteria, the middle is your ikigai, or as they refer to it, uh, your reason for being. Now, this isn't something that's static. It's going to change over your life. 
But what we've done in, in the book is we've got lots of exercises and activities to kind of help you pull this out because we often don't reflect on this or we don't really know like, oh, I, I love this hobby. You know, I like sailing, you know, but people might like sailing for different reasons, right? Like, what is it? So we had one client and she loved sailing and it was for the analysis actually of all of the factors and the tides and the currents and the wind and she realized that she needed a job or in the future or a career where she could use analytics and look at data based on looking at her, that hobby. So yeah, I love it. I think it's a, a quick hack to kind of really kind of uncover things that you love and you're good at is the strengths and what the world needs is around the values and where you might want to apply your talents. And then what you get paid for is around looking where the future skills are and where the job opportunities are. Yeah. And I like that you said it's like a never evolving thing because what the world needs is always evolving. Our own skills are always growing. And yeah, our interests over time as well. That sailing analogy is super interesting. And that's not something I necessarily would have found that tie rate away as how that could be tied to analytics. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, even things like um, who you follow on Instagram, right? Or, or the, if you go to a bookstore, which part of the bookstore do you like to go to? I mean, people think, well, well, everybody's in the photography section. Look around the bookstore. But no, you're in the photography section or you're in the design section because that's something you're attracted to, right? Somebody else might be in medieval history or somebody else might be in biographies, right? So these are very unique things to you. And, and it's about just reflecting on it a little bit and see if there's any patterns. Like sometimes you can see some patterns yourself after doing some of that. So on that note, how have you seen this evolve in your career over time? Most currently, how would you say your Ikigai aligns with your current role? Yeah, well, in terms of my current role, that's a great question. I haven't had thought about that, but... <laughs> You know, I was in marketing before and I, I enjoyed wine and spirits marketing and worked for um, event marketing for Coca-Cola and other brands. But you know what? I'm really marketing and helping people now with their careers. And that really does align more with my values in terms of, you know, how amazing is that if I can help somebody or guide someone or give them a tip or a trick with the book or even with coaching to help them set themselves up for a career that's going to be really rewarding for them. So I think it, it ties into my strengths, which is communication. Um, I also have futuristic, which is looking ahead and looking at where the jobs are and where the future skills are. I have positivity and I have maximizers. So maximizer is about taking things that are good to great. So yeah, I feel like I'm singing in all of those four right now. So that's actually quite satisfying. Perfect. Well, yeah, thank you for that. It definitely, it's something I can see if more people had a better understanding of it, just finding that fulfillment in your role, a lot more people would have access to that. Even myself, I'm still sort of figuring out my marketing career as I go, as I think pretty much all of us are. But it definitely it helps you sort of compartmentalize. And sometimes you have things that are really fulfilling you and you don't necessarily realize till you sit down and look at it all. And you're like, oh, wow, like I am very fortunate to be doing all this, having these opportunities. And yeah, so it's a great exercise for both identifying what you want to be doing as well as sort of appreciating what you're currently doing, which is great. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think, you know, there's different activities out there. There's one that's called Love It, Loathe It, which you could do over a week. And again, it's getting that appreciative inquiry, but also noticing what it is that you do that you're feeling in the flow or energized. And it's like, wow, that was great. I really loved that. I want to do that again. Like, I really enjoyed doing that. 
or, hmm, that was really draining. <laughs> this activity took me a long time and I really wish I didn't have to spend so much time on it. But, you know, it's kind of recognizing that. Not that you can have a job entirely, all love it and no loathe it, but it's good to know what it is so that if you have an opportunity to maximize the love it part, right? Or you can speak to your manager or you can create a, a role that's going to expand that more joyful part, then why not? But it's only through knowing yourself and knowing, I guess, what really brings you joy and why that you can kind of more architect or craft your future. I also imagine too, it sort of helps you just better support yourself in areas too that you might not be as strong. Just learning to ask for help in specific resources or sort of identifying areas you might get burnt out more quickly and just giving yourself time and support in those areas. I know just through clients and stuff, we often talk to people and they talk about having or making sure you build a team that is well-rounded in strengths. So again, that comes in with knowing your own. So you can get those people who support you and have strengths, whereas you might not have in those areas. 100%. And, um, you know, it, it is about building a team around you as well and knowing what their strengths are. And we call it power partnerships. Or you can lean into someone else's strength, you know, like if somebody's really good at strategic, you know, can I have a coffee chat with you and just lean into your strategic for a bit? Like maybe you can just give me some ideas and, or, you know, somebody that has really good relationship building skills. I'm going to be making this announcement. Can you give me some tips that maybe could, um, you know, inform or make sure I'm including everybody or it comes across more empathetically or, you know, I'm doing the right things here that, that might be in your blind spot, for instance. So, I think this idea of power partnerships and not needing to know how to do everything super well, I think that's that's vulnerable, but it also allows other people to shine and grow. Yeah. I remember when I was first coming out of school, I really felt like I had to be very good at everything all at once. And I had to be very strong in all the different areas. And then throughout school, we actually took, I believe it was the Meyer-Briggs. It looks at introvert, extrovert, all that. And I scored pretty highly on like the introverted side. And some people were like, oh, this will be difficult in marketing because it definitely is better for more extroverted personalities. And I think having had more assessment and different opportunities like the strengths one or Enneagram test even, you sort of see yourself in a different light. And it would have maybe given me a bit more confidence than just being told oh no, like you don't quite fit the the category we're looking for. Mm -hmm. So the more informed you are, the better, I think, for sure. Yeah, and even with the introvert scores, I mean, you know, we think for salespeople, sales and marketing, they got to be the woo-woo people, right? And get over here and get over there. But actually good salespeople and good account managers are good listeners, right? They are really good listeners because they're listening to their client. And so traits of, you know, of introversion or empathy or the relationship building, are going to make you a very successful salesperson too, or account manager or marketing person. Yeah. And sort of on that note, what is some advice you would give to aspiring marketing professionals as they're entering the workforce? Yeah. So one of the things, as you know, right, is marketing is changing very quickly. And there's a lot of challenges with some of the colleges and universities to keep up with some of the new curriculum. But I would suggest that students need to, and grads and even, you know, people working in marketing need to constantly upgrade with maybe micro-credentials or other kind of courses that allow them to keep their technical skills up. And the other piece of advice I would give is to really think about connecting to associations and industry associations like the BC American Marketing Association or the Canadian Marketing Association or the Board of Trades, Chambers of Commerce to build your network. 
So those are kind of the things that I would suggest. I've noticed a lot of people recently joining Facebook groups too of like-minded individuals, just whether it's like a copywriting group or an account manager group, just sort of a like-minded community is also an interesting way too to connect and sort of find inspiration. Yeah, and you're you're learning, right? So one thing I like about these associations is you don't even have to necessarily join as a member. You could just sign up for their newsletter and you will start getting information into your inbox. And it might be job descriptions. It might be events like virtual events you could attend. It might be volunteer opportunities. But it just gives you a sense of what's happening in the industry because usually it's the the latest stuff is happening in these Facebook groups or in these associations. And you can learn from each other. And I think that's a great idea. I know back when I was at Langara, there was a lot of really great networking opportunities with Board of Trade and BC MEA and all those different ones. And with COVID, I imagine that made it quite a bit harder for students as well, because there was opportunities limited to just virtual meetings. Luckily, we're seeing people back out in the world and back out in these networking opportunities. Is there anything else you can think of for students that they can be doing? Just like, again, if there was more virtual restrictions or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think, um, you know, volunteering is good. Um, But I was coaching somebody recently who, you know, wants to move into digital marketing. And we were looking at their LinkedIn profile and Instagram and Facebook. And there's opportunities to be practicing all of the digital marketing skills on your own properties, per se, right? We've heard of owned media. These are your own channels. And I would suggest that those are great opportunities to build up a blog or a theme around your interests and to really showcase your digital marketing skills and learn on the job in a way. I know I write about this in the book. One of the Langara students, she had her own blog, I think it was called Van City Girl or something. And she was testing out different things and posts and formats of posts. And a guest speaker came to the class and she followed up with the guest speaker and she actually, there was an opportunity. She applied for the opportunity and she did get an offer and they had called me for a reference actually. And the employer said it was her blog that made her stand out Oh wow! because they could see already like proven what she can do. So I'm a big one about investing into your own channels and developing something that you can showcase. And I'm not talking about yourself, you know, it's, it's something different, right? It's maybe an interest and maybe it's baking or maybe it's photography or maybe it's what to do in Vancouver. I don't know, but think of something and then kind of build that up and get lots of practice that way. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. I see even like well-seasoned marketing professionals will have sometimes like an off-brand Instagram account where they just try different coffees across different cities. And there you go. You're already establishing a different type of personality. You're getting to know people through this unique aspect, which a lot of people aren't doing. So I think that's really great advice and something I think more of us, myself included, should definitely try and do. Mm-hmm. And it's free. right? Yeah. It's just, these are all free things you can be doing and you can be trying them across all tools because, you know, we've been looking at a lot of job descriptions lately for digital marketing. And what does it say? You know, experience with LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, right? They, they want it all. So if you happen to have your own channel on all of those um, platforms and you can show what you've done, you know, tick, 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 you ticked all the boxes there. So outside of your own role of marketing, are there any podcasts or books or apps that are really standing out to you at the moment that you've been enjoying? Yeah, so I have 
a few books that I really enjoy. And one of them is from Daniel Priestley. This one relates to just what we just said, actually. He's got a book called Key Person of Influence. So everybody could be a key person of influence, KPI. So the name is Daniel Priestley. And actually, he's the inspiration for why I wrote my book. I listened to the podcast on an airplane coming back from Toronto to Vancouver. And it was uh, inspirational. And I sketched out the the chapters of the book on the plane, actually, for Backpack to Briefcase. Because he asks you, what are you an expert on? We're all experts on something. It could be something like how to buy a wooden boat, or it could be, you know, for me, it was student-to-work transition. I just, that's what I'm kind of focused on for the last 20 years. So that's a great book, KPI, Daniel Priestley. And he has another book called Oversubscribed. So it's a great one for marketers as well, how to get people lining up to do business with you. So how do you get to be that breakfast place that's got the lineup around the block? What's happening there, right? So Oversubscribed is a good one. In our high-performing team workshops, we have a lot of behaviors that we're trying to instill with teams. And so a lot of the information comes from Atomic Habits, James Clear. Love Atomic Habits. You know that, love that. And then having tricky conversations with your team members, high stakes conversations need to happen because, you know, resentment can build up and bad feelings. So this book I really love too is Crucial Conversations and how to have those high stakes conversations. You know, high stakes is when it's emotional, differing of opinion. And then the last one I would recommend, it's a Gallup book, is this one here, It's the Manager. And it refers to the to the research that states that quite a lot, you know, over 70% of the engagement on a team comes from the manager and the environment that the manager sets. So I find they've all been really helpful in this work we're doing with high-performing teams. Thank you. In the honor of Atomic Habits, what is something you think you could add 1% or something you could aim for that 1% increase um, in 2023? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, for the Atomic Habits, what I really took out of that was for working out. Like I like to swim in the morning. And so the community center is literally a block away. Okay. So one of the things he says in the book to get into the habit, even if you go for five minutes to the gym or to the pool. So I sometimes miss the window and my preferred window to go swim because there's an aquafit class, but I'm just going now. And even if I'm I'm a bit late, I'm just going. So I am using that right out of Atomic Habits in terms of, um, you know, just go for five minutes. Of course, when you get there, you're there for longer, right? But if you if you just think, I just have to go for five minutes, literally, you're off the hook. If you want to want to leave after that, I, somehow that's been working for me. Yes. Our big one has been just like trying to eat healthier and incorporate more like vegetables and fruits. So we definitely put a big fruit bowl right on the sort of the table that's closest to the door on the way out. And it's actually, it's funny. Yeah, you see it, you grab it, and it's good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think I should reread it because there was so much in there. There was so many good tips. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, take some notes. And then, yeah, just to wrap up our chat, we have a few rapid fire questions. I'll shoot a couple your way. All right. Okay, so what was your very first job? Oh, my very first job that I got paid for was stuffing envelopes. (laughs) I got paid um, by the thousand envelopes I stuffed, stuffed with um, brochures, basically. 
in grade eight. <laughs> uh, cat or dog person? Well, my cat's sitting right here, so I would have to say I'm a cat person. <laughs> okay. Looking and right if the cat me. wasn't in the room, <laughs> would you have the same answer? <laughs> I like both, but uh, I mean, I grew up with dogs, so of course I like dogs, but the cat's very low maintenance, that's for sure. Yeah, that's very true. A movie you love right now? We just went to see Black Panther, so uh, okay. I like Marvel movies, and I'm waiting to see Avatar coming up, the second one. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Long time coming for that one. Um, let's see. Uh, the best thing you recently bought for under $10? Well, I don't know. I don't really want to recommend this, but there's a new flavor of Lay's potato chips called roast chicken. Oh. And in the UK, you know, they have these different flavors. And yeah, so I think I bought three bags for the family for under 10 bucks. That's awesome. I haven't seen that one. I'll have to keep my eyes out for it. <laughs> yes, yeah, they're hard to come by. So if you get them, get a few bags. <laughs> um, and then lastly, what is a life hack that you've been using lately that you'd be willing to share? One of the life hacks that came out of the pandemic that's really worked for me is because I have woo and I do want to talk to people a lot is doing a walk talk. So my family lives in Ontario and um, during the pandemic, I would make appointments even with people that I hadn't spoken to for a while. So in my commute was to get up and go do a walk talk with somebody and walk, you know, around the neighborhood. And I've been able to get up to four kilometers by just doing walk talks because you can even schedule oh, wow. back to back ones. So I might talk to my mom and then I talk to my sister. So I think that's been great. And I've kept that up since the uh, post-pandemic. So that's one life hack for oh, well. me to add more exercise. Yeah, I might steal that one. It's a good way to cross a few boxes off and then still build those relationships. Yeah, like as soon as somebody, if they call me on my phone, I just I just get up and put my, my runners on and my earbuds and then I go like that. So the neighbor across the street said to my husband, wow, she's on a lot of meetings, but I'm just talking to everybody. everybody. So it meets my social needs. Okay. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of our time today. Thank you so much for sitting down with us and being part of Marketing News Canada. Uh, where can people find you online and learn more about you? Yeah. So they can go to our website, which is peerspectives.ca. So it's P-E-E-R, Spectives. So the um, name of the company comes from all our peers' viewpoints. We want to hear all their perspectives, all their perspectives. So that's our website, peerspectives.ca or on LinkedIn. You can find me too. Nice. And then for the book, where can people find that if they're interested in purchasing a copy? Yeah. So we have website backpacktobriefcase.ca or it can be found on amazon.ca or amazon.com. Nice and easy. Well, thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone for listening and tuning into this episode of Marketing News Canada. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.